Yes, good afternoon. So I'm your, I'm your only problem at the moment, the only thing that keeps you from the drinks afterwards. And I'm trying to make this as painless as possible. My talk is going to be quite different from the ones that we've heard so far because I have to report on something conceptual rather than giving you some uh, projection or even an estimate of what is going to happen with, a four degree of, with four degrees of global warming. I'm going to talk about basi the basic mechanism for abrupt monsoon transitions. John Chandler has mentioned tipping elements in the first talk of the day and the monsoon circulations have made it on this list of tipping elements. Tipping elements are processes, regions in the climate system that, that um, respond particularly sensitive to already small changes in the background climate. Now what is the basis for calling a system a tipping element generally? We have three, and in my opinion, we have three lines of evidence that we are following here. Um, generally. And the first one is always a theoretical understanding of a self-amplification feedback that is underlying the dynamics. Without this, there is no tipping element, there is no abrupt change in the system. Um, we need this in order to make, uh, in, in, for an abrupt change. The second one is past data. It's generally past data. It's very often paleo data, actually, because um, we don't have enough time, we don't have enough observations for all of these systems for, from present day that we can make statements about abrupt changes or even the possibility of abrupt changes. And last but not least, complex model simulations in which we do sensitivity studies to, with respect to certain parameters in order to find out if even complex models show these abrupt transitions. Now I'm going to talk not only about the Indian monsoon system, but actually about monsoon systems in general. And for this, I would like to present only one piece of this line of evidence. But first of all, mention that in the past, we have seen abrupt changes in monsoon circulation as presented here by um, Gupta and colleagues in 2003 in, in Nature. For the last 11,000 years, there are also indications for abrupt changes in the last glacial period. Now, how would these abrupt changes come along? I'm not a metrologist, I'm a physicist. However, this monsoon circulation in, in, in a very simple-minded physicist view uh, functions like this. In the beginning of spring, you get a warming of the land, the continent, which is quicker than the warming of the ocean simply due to differences in, in heat capacity. This induces, this temperature difference between the warmer land and the ocean uh, induces a moist air um, transport towards the land. And then rain drops because of um, condensation and you close the circulation. However, the first the moment the first drops of rain fall, the ground temperature on land get actually below the ones on the ocean. So you don't have a driver for the circulation anymore. So how do you sustain a monsoon circulation really? Well, the release of latent heat through the precipitation, through the rainfall, is keeping a temperature difference in the lower atmospheric column that is driving the circulation. In summary, this means a monsoon circulation is only there because there's a monsoon circulation. It's driving itself. If you have a system like this, this, is easily be, this can easily be perturbed because if you don't allow enough moist air to, enter, to, to be blown onto the land, then you won't have enough condensation, you won't have enough latent heat release, and you won't have a monsoon circulation. And this is what we are going to try to um, investigate for different monsoon systems. So this is not restricted to 
the uh, Indian monsoon, but actually you can take any monsoon system. These are six here that we picked it, uh, that we picked, and you can see this in the heat budget that I have plotted here. The latent heat release is drastically increasing in early spring, and the sensible heat release, which gives you an indication of how much warmer the surface is on land compared to the upper um, <coughs> atmospheric column or the low atmospheric column actually, but above the ground, is dropping drastically. And this is the transport of heat, that uh, directly heat into the, into the atmospheric column on land, which is dropping to, which is compensating. All of these add up to zero. Now, if you, let me try to put this into equation. Now, if you don't like equations, close your eyes, close your ears for a moment. It's, uh, it's going to take only two minutes, but it's not really painful. I, 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 I'll prove to you. This is the heat budget that you, that you can come up with in the monsoon season. We have neglected the sensible heat flux because it's very small. And then what you can see is that the precipitation, the latent heat release, is balancing the net radiative export of heat and the net um, export of direct heat transport through the winds, simply because cold air is coming from the ocean and, it's, uh, is, and warm air is, is, is exported out. Next, you put down the moisture transport, the moisture equation, which, is, which just says the wind is blowing in moist air and this is balanced by precipitation. Evaporation is taken out for the moment, but I'll show you or I'll, I'll argue that this doesn't matter. We, we, we did the calculation, it doesn't really matter. And then you go into the data and find that actually the wind, <coughs> as what I said initially, the wind is directly related to the temperature difference. You find a very strong correlation. The stronger the temperature difference, the stronger the wind. And the same in the data, you'll find a very strong correlation between the moisture content of the atmosphere and the precipitation. The more moist, the more precipitation you get. And putting these four equations together, I know I shouldn't show that, but I can't help it really. Um, <laughs> you, you, get a, you get a governing equation which is cubic, and what I like best about it, when you go to non-dimensional, into the non-dimensional world, you end up with only one parameter, like the Reynolds number for hydrodynamic flow, doesn't matter if you don't know what it is, but what it, what it tells you is how important is the release of latent heat compared to the advection of heat out of the column. And that shows you how important this mechanism is, how, how important this feedback is for different monsoon systems, and it makes different monsoon systems comparable to each other. That's why I like it, but um, it's a conceptual model so far. We have to put in more, um, more processes to make this applicable. But this cubic equation gives rise to a threshold behavior. You see here the radiation in, in non-dimensional in the non-dimensional world, sorry for that, we can put it dimensional, but not for now. Um, and <clears throat> the precipitation here on the Y column or the winds on top. And you see, look at the red curve here, which is one possible solution. For a normal radiation, which is somewhere in the negative, but not above the threshold, obviously, you get a functional, functioning monsoon system. But you also have a solution down here, below this curve. This is an unstable solution. And you have another one down here, which is simply a non-operational monsoon system. So that there's a possibility of jumping between these two within one season. The other possibility is that you go with your system beyond this threshold and you fall down. And this is also a possibility of abrupt um, circulation change. Now, how does this come along? I already mentioned this. Um, we have two 
export, transport, uh, export processes for heat. One is the direct advection of heat through the winds, um, which are exporting heat, and the other one is the radiation, which is predominantly long wave, long wave radiation in the tropics, and this is also cooling. The only, one, the only process that can balance this is the release of latent heat. Now, the heat advection and the latent heat both scale with the winds. They increase with the winds. So if you <coughs> reduce your monsoon system or your monsoon rainfall for, for a bit, you reduce both, and both tend to compensate each other until a threshold is reached, which is given by this long-wave radiation here, and then your system breaks down because the precipitation can simply not provide the energy necessary to, um, to drive the circulation, the monsoon circulation. It's very simple, and that's why it is beautiful, because it's in every monsoon system. Now we've tried to estimate, to give an estimate for this critical threshold, and this is very, very preliminary, because it's based on this simple model. The black curve in e for each of the systems here gives you the radiation, the net radiation that we have observed in the last 60 years. It's in the negative, as I said, somewhere below minus 100 watts per square meter. And now we took three, uh, four time series from the ncep NKW analysis, which is not perfect, but gives you a consist physically consistent picture of the world, world's climate. Uh, of precipitation, temperature difference, net radiation, and specific humidity over land. And we plugged this in and computed the critical threshold from these numbers. And then we got the blue curve here. The blue, that's, that's an estimate. That's not a time-dependent thing. It's, it's assuming that the critical threshold has not changed in the last 60 years and trying to use the data to estimate where the threshold is. Once you, you put evaporation in, you shift to the red curve, and that already shows you how how little, that this is not robust, right? Because it, it, you get a huge shift here only through incorporation of evaporation. You can put a number of processes into the model and uh, use data to make estimates of the, this critical threshold. This is future work. We're going to um, proceed with this. Uh, we're not there yet, but um, you can put in these processes and you don't lose the critical, the critical behavior, the threshold behavior, simply because it is, um, is, is coming from this fundamental monsoon dynamics. Only the moment this moisture advection feedback is not dominating the circulation anymore, then you lose the uh, threshold behavior, but then you don't have a monsoon system really anymore. So I already mentioned that there are two types, but I would like to emphasize that there are two types of possible abrupt changes within the monsoon system. I set up a model only for one rainy season. So what I cannot provide is a, a mechanism for spiraling down of the monsoon from year to year. You can imagine that this might be difficult simply because the monsoon system is, is one rainy season, but then there's a non-rainy season, and you would have to have memory within the system to carry it on over to the next season. It's possible. It happens through uh, moisture in, in, the, in the vegetation and so on, but we don't catch, capture this at all. We only capture either abrupt changes within one rainy season, which is when you're in the bistable regime and you jump from the upper branch to the lower one, and uh, this might play a role, I'm actually quite certain it, it plays a role, but I, I don't have evidence for this, uh, within, uh, for, for um, effects like the 2002 um, month of uh, Ju July, I think it was, of very little rain in, in India compared to a strong rain uh, in, in, in June and August. <coughs> and these kind of phenomena, so within a season. But you might also have a shift across this critical threshold 
uh, where you will have a persistent reduction or collapse of the monsoon system, which might have, been, might have occurred in the past. So this is written here. So what is happening in a, in, in a warming world? I was forced to put this in there, but, um, <laughs> I'm, I, but this is not, uh, it's very conceptual so far, and I'm, I'm, I'm finishing my talk. In a warming world, all the, you, you saw this on the plots. I, if you haven't, if you didn't focus on it like I did, India is always getting wetter. Um, also, other regions where, where you have mon strong monsoon, it's, it's getting wetter. Monsoon is, is supposed to be intensifying in a warming world. And that is because the land is, is warming more rapidly than the ocean, to my understanding, at the moment. Black carbon would do the same thing, because you have um, the sources of black carbon, of all aerosols are on land, so you would have more warming uh, black carbon than you have um, over land than, than over the ocean. Other aerosols, or all reflecting aerosols, would tend to cool the land more strongly than the, o and than the ocean, and that would shift your system towards the critical threshold, closer towards the critical threshold. But as I said, we have to explore this and see what is going to happen in the future world. There's much more to it, of course. Um, there's the indirect aerosol effect and uh, much more. But I, I just want to stress that this possibility of abrupt changes. What we have observed in the past here for India is a decrease in moderate rainfall events and an increase in extreme rainfall events, but this is for strong rainfall events as opposed to uh, extreme uh, drought events, which I, to my knowledge has, have not been investigated so far. That's, that's just to my knowledge. And I think we should have a look on this and see if it gives any evidence for, um, or any support for the model, or if it falsifies it. So I think I'll just put up the conclusions. The possibility of, a, there is a possibility of abrupt monsoon changes. This possibility is fundamental to monsoon circulations. It is therefore in, inherent in all monsoon <coughs> circulations. Abruptness is determined by a scaling number which makes systems comparable. Two types of, of abrupt transitions are possible. Jumps within one season from an on-state to an off-state and a shift towards a monostable off-state regime, if you like, which would be persistent. Uh, over a longer period of time and would also then be visible in paleoclimatic evidence. And a warming trend tends, a warming trend, that warming tends to intensify uh, monsoon circulations and shift, the critical and, and shift the critical threshold away from where we are at the moment, so this is good news. On the other hand, aerosol cooling uh, is shifting this, uh, our, our um, radiation budget at the moment towards the critical threshold and might be a problem in the future. Thank you very much for your attention.